So listen now to the story of that first Easter morning as told by the four gospel writers in the Bible. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Well, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others, but they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Yes, you walked out of the grave and walking too if you walked out of the grave I'm walking too oh if you walked out of the grave I'm walking too if you walked out of the grave I'm walking too if you walked out of the grave I'm walking too Walked out of the grave, I'm walking to. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking to. 
Happy Easter, everyone. Welcome once again to Orchard Hill Church. We invite you to stand at this time and greet those people around you. Let's make this a warm, welcoming place. All right, this is it. Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is alive. There ain't no grave that could hold him down. Death could not hold him either. He made a way. So let's celebrate together. Join us in responding to who Jesus is and what he's done for us.
death could not Death could not hold you The veil tore before you You silenced the boast Of sin and grave The heavens are
thank you for this morning. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross. We thank you for making a way for us out of our sin and out of our shame and out of our grave. God, that we can have no guilt in life and no fear in death. That's a promise that we hang on to. This morning as uh, Jeff comes to teach us, God, I just pray that um, we would have ears to listen, that we would hear what you have to say to us this morning. It's in the powerful and wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can take your seats. Thanks so much, Katie. Wow, what a start this morning, huh? Man, how often do you start a service with Johnny Cash? That was phenomenal. How do you follow that up? I want to say a special welcome to those who are down in the sanctuary as well as in the commons and in room 152, people watching online. We got people all over the place. And you can tell this isn't just like a normal Sunday. This isn't a, a regular weekend. Uh, this is the biggest day of the year for the church. It's the day, right, that, that Jesus and his followers like cut down the nets like we just won the final four. And, uh, and if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you have some questions about his claims or some doubts about the church's claims about him, maybe you're a little bit skeptical, uh, it's just as big a day for you. Uh, we want to say you're welcome here and you're invited to bring your questions and your doubts and your denial and all of that stuff and celebrate with us. Just as if maybe you had won the lottery or uh, maybe you won a clean bill of health or you won or won back the love of your life. And so we're really glad that you're here to celebrate with us. Today we, we remember that we have every good reason to celebrate that Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and that he was raised to new life. And in doing so, that he destroyed the power and the curse of, of sin and death. And he offers to everyone who wants to receive it, right, this resurrected life that raised him, that he offers that to live inside each of us. And so the only real question is, how will we respond to this offer? I was digging through my closet uh, a week or so ago, and I came across this lovely item. This is the plaque or the trophy that my mom got for me after I shot a hole-in-one. July 4th, 2002. And uh, as I looked at it, I was reminded of that day that I stood on top of that hill on hole number 12, a course up in Minneapolis. I was with my father-in-law, my good friend Brad and his dad, and, and the sun is shining down on us and the wind is in my face and the, the flag is just in the middle of the green and the trees surrounding it. And I took out my seven iron. I took a nice gentle swing and struck that Nike one ball high arching shot, and I could hear my father-in-law and my friends saying, wow, you're going to like that. Oh, that's a nice shot. Oh, that's right at the pin. As I watched the ball land on the green, take a big hop, and then another little bounce, and then bloop, right in the cup. <laughs> and everything went in slow motion. I turned around, and it's like my friends and my father were like, oh, wow, did that go in? You know, and we're like celebrating. It's like, yes, that went in. And it just changed my life. Made every difference in my life. We went to the, we went to the clubhouse afterwards, and the, uh, the guys told the guy in the clubhouse, said, hey, he just hit a hole in one, you know, and I'm ready to buy drinks like you're supposed to do at the clubhouse. And the guy is standing there without any enthusiasm, and his voice says, really? 
what hole? It's like not exactly the response I was looking for. Like, forget the drinks, right? So uh, my, my fear is that we come into Easter and, and we can have the same kind of response. Maybe a few moments of elation where we're celebrating with our friends and family. Or maybe it's a ho-hum response. Maybe we, uh, we buy the keepsake. We admire it for a while and then it ends up buried on our floor in the closet somewhere. But I want to remind you that we're not celebrating a hole in one. We're celebrating the resurrection. We're celebrating the power and the love of God that brings life to the dead and to the dying. This is what Paul calls the good news. It's, it's the gospel, the story of Jesus' life and his, and his resurrection. And it's the power of God. And who knew better about this power than Paul? Paul actually encountered Jesus after the resurrection. And he wrote a bunch of letters. He started a bunch of churches, and he wrote a bunch of letters to these churches. And one of the churches was in Greece, and he writes this letter. It's a letter of 1 Corinthians found in our New Testament. And he writes this to these, to these people in the church. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you've taken your stand. Paul starts, he says, let me remind you about this good news that I shared with you. And you heard it, and you asked questions, and you thought about it, and you, you received it, you accepted it. And in fact, you took a stand on it. And it's the foundation of your life. When I was in college, there was a country singer, Aaron Tippin, who came out with this song. It went all the way to number six back in 1991. You have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You have to be your own man, not a puppet on a string. Okay, he went to number six with it, not me, right? <laughs> but don't we all wanna have something strong in our life, a, a firm foundation that we can build our life on? Something that we know isn't like gonna give way or break or fail when, when we come under pressure or things get really heavy in our lives? One author says this about what it means to take a stand. It says, it's a powerful way of being that can able, enable an individual to have an impact in the course of humanity. Who wants to make a difference with their life? Who wants their life to count for something? We all want that. And Paul says, let me remind you of this firm foundation, the best thing that you can build your life on to impact this world and have solid ground under you when things get heavy. He goes on and he says this, it is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul begins this letter to his friends. Actually, this is the end of the letter, but he begins this section of the letter to his friends, and he says, it seems like there's a bunch of people who are, have this really strong faith, right? They've accepted this. They, they had this foundation that they built, on, they built their lives on. They'd always believed that there were other gods and they were at the mercy of these gods, but now Paul has come and he's shared with them about the one true God, the most high God. And they, they accepted that. They heard that this God is good and he, and he loves the whole world. And that he had sent Jesus to save them from sin and from the consequences of sin, their total inability to be or do anything to win the approval of God. But we keep reading. And we discover that some people are, are skeptical. They're questioning this whole resurrection thing. Maybe they've been listening to some other teachers that have been coming through the area, telling them that that's wrong. And they're starting to reason that that just, just couldn't happen. In fact, they're thinking, a resurrection, really? You expect me to believe that a man died and was buried, and then he rose again to new life, and that because of this, I am going to be raised to new life when I die as well? Like, I, I can easier believe in the story of the God who drives a chariot across the sky pulling the sun in the back than to believe in a resurrection. But we see that these aren't the only people who are struggling to believe Paul's message. In fact, if we remember the story as, as Doug shared it with us at the beginning of the service, the, the Easter story and how Jesus' own followers struggled to believe in the resurrection even though they, had, uh, they were experiencing it. Go back to the beginning of that story, and we see that when the Sabbath was over, Mary uh, and, the, and these other women, they went and they brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. It means to get his body ready for a proper burial because they hadn't had time to do this because of the Sabbath. They were not expecting Jesus to be alive. You don't take spices to anoint a body. They even wonder, who will roll the stone away? They didn't expect to see Jesus. And then they encounter him, and they run back to tell the others this exciting news. We saw Jesus. And what's their reaction? It says they come back. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. And later in the story, we read that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had, had told them to go, and they saw him, and they worshiped him. But some still doubted. Now, I don't know if this was people who weren't there or if this was people who were actually there worshiping it, but they were just, they had a hard time wrapping their mind around this idea that Jesus was back to, back to new life. If you're here this morning and you struggle to believe that the resurrection is real, you find it hard to believe that somebody can come back to life after they die, that Jesus did this. I want you to know you're in good company. You're in the right place this morning. You are not alone. This is hard to believe. Some of you, you maybe believed initially at one time, and maybe you had this momentum, but you've put this back in your closet somewhere, and you've forgotten about the power that it has for your life. You need to drag that out again. Maybe some of us are just skeptical, like the people Paul is writing to. Would you humor Paul and me just for a couple minutes as Paul reminds us of two things? The first is the resurrection 
is real. We have good reason to believe that. And the second is, the resurrection is the foundation of faith in Jesus. First thing Paul says is, what I told you was actually foretold in the scriptures. I told you that it was most important that Christ died, and he was buried, and he was raised to new life. And the scriptures foretold this. In other words, these ancient writings of the God's people, Jewish people, they predicted that this person was going to come, and he was going to live this amazing life and do these amazing things, and that he would be crucified, and that he would be buried, and he would come back to new life. And now Jesus has fulfilled what these people wrote hundreds of years ago. And Paul says, okay, I get it. Your mom's dad's taught you to not believe everything you read, especially with Wikipedia and the interwebs and all that stuff, right? So he said, but check this out. He said, Jesus actually appeared to some people. In fact, he appeared to Cephas. Peter is one of the people he appeared to. Cephas is also known as Peter. And then he appeared to the 12. Paul, you might notice, doesn't mention in that letter that he also appeared to these women. There's a reason for that. Not because it didn't happen, not because he didn't believe it, but because women's testimony was considered worthless in those days. See, women weren't educated the way that men were. But isn't it interesting that Jesus chose to first appear to women? Perhaps the greatest honor in the history of the world belonged to women. Jesus valued and honored the women in his ministry. And he gave them a critical role to play in his work. So Paul says, okay, we've, we, he appeared to, to Peter. He appeared to, to the 12 followers right after the resurrection. But there's more. Jesus also appeared to 500 people all at one time. And most of them are still alive. You can go and check this out for yourself. Go and talk to any one of them, and they will tell you that they experienced this resurrection. It's true. And then he appeared to his own brother James, who didn't believe that his brother Jesus was the Son of God. Well, now he does. What, what would happen to convince you that your brother is the Son of God? There would have to be a resurrection, right? And now he says he also appeared to me. The last person in the world you would expect him to, to appear to is, Paul says, I was busy trying to kill this story. I was trying to kill the movement and all the leaders involved in it. It's just, Paul's saying, he says, I, I get it. If, you wanna, if you're looking for something to stand on, a solid foundation, you want there to be evidence, good evidence that what you're taking a stand on is real. So here's the evidence. Go see for yourself. Let me remind you, this isn't a myth this isn't make-believe. This isn't some fairy tale that you choose to believe in and poof, your life is full of magic. This is an actual event. It's verifiable. How many of you believe my story about the hole-in-one? Right? Like, like, and, and why do you believe it? Because I have this plaque, you know, this framed scorecard. It's like you're a fool if that's why you believe it. There's, but you look at this. And you see that there's, there's some signatures on this card. The people who golfed with me that day signed their name to this. They were witnesses. There's actually a receipt behind this card. You could actually go and talk to them and verify that this happened 17 years ago. Now, they're probably not willing to die to prove this to you, <laughs> like Jesus' followers were. It might not make a bit of difference in your life, but you could go and you could speak to witnesses who were there. 
Whether I made a hole in one or not doesn't make a bit of difference in your life. But the resurrection, that's a different story. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. And Paul is saying, listen, if the resurrection didn't happen, then Christianity is false. It's of no value, of no importance in your life. You might love Jesus' teaching. You might be fascinated by his good works, the miracles he did. You might think he's an amazing leader. But remember who told you all that stuff, who told you all those stories. It's the same people who told you the story of this resurrection. And if they can't be trusted with the story of the resurrection, how could they be trusted with anything else they've told you about this man? If it didn't happen, there's no forgiveness of sins. If it didn't happen, those family and those friends who have gone before us, who have died, forget about seeing them again because there is, there's no hope for heaven. If the resurrection didn't happen, there's no reason for us to put our faith in Jesus. If he has not been raised, our preaching is useless, Paul says. And so is your faith. Then he has this great, great line, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. What is Paul talking about? If only for this life we have hope in Jesus. My mom was in town with us last week and she'd gotten a call from one of her good friends who shared with her that um, she doesn't believe that there's life after death. Uh, this woman has, uh, uh, this friend of my mom's has been uh, to church all of her life. She's been a devout church goer. She's, uh, she believes, uh, uh, she reads the Bible. She lives uh, a faith in God and, and believes in Jesus. But she said, I just don't believe there's life after this. And I was, well, what do you think about heaven? She goes, well, I think we're, we're in it right now. There's no life after the grave. Paul says, how, how tragic, how incredibly sad how hopeless. He isn't saying that, that if you don't believe in the resurrection or that you have to believe in the resurrection in order to put faith in Jesus. That's not what Paul is saying. He isn't saying Jesus only has value for the next life. Paul isn't saying Jesus won't add value to your life here and now if you don't believe in the resurrection. I think what Paul is saying is that the resurrection is the central claim of the Christian faith and the foundation of faith in Jesus. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope to fuel our faith. The resurrection is what brings our hope to life in Jesus. It's what assures us that we can trust who he is and, that, and what he said and that he's going to fulfill all the promises that he made to us. The resurrection is, is the grace that overcomes our guilt and our shame and our sin. Resurrection is the comfort and the strength and the power to endure suffering when we experience it. The resurrection is the power of God at work in our lives here and now and in the life to come if the resurrection is a reality for Jesus and for us. Following Jesus is the most fulfilling way to live only if 
the resurrection is a reality for us. You know, on the scorecard, uh, I also was reminded that there was a, an eight and a seven, <laughs> and a couple more eights. If you're not a golfer, that's bad. Okay, those are bad scores. And they're actually, I hate to say it, but much more representative of my golf game. And so you can, you can bet that when I stepped up on that tee box, I was, the last thing I was thinking about was, was hitting a hole in one. But since that hole in one, anytime I'm within 160 yards, I think I've got a shot. Right? I can be, my day can be full of sevens and eights, but, but I've got this eternal hope that the next one could go in and change my game. It's amazing. The same thing is true of the resurrection times a billion. And we think about our lives and how often our lives, our days are filled with double bogeys and double pars. Again, very bad. But if we have this hope, this belief in the resurrection, and we're standing firm on this belief in the resurrection, we have this eternal hope that even in the worst of our circumstances, whether we're in the sand pit or we're underwater, Right? There can be life found in this moment. If Jesus rose from the dead, this eternal hope fuels our faith and brings us to life regardless of the circumstances if we will seek him for it. Because as Paul concludes, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Indeed, he has been raised. And on this, we can stand on solid ground. My dad has been uh, battling dementia for a number of years, and he's in a home in Illinois, and uh, uh, for, for several years when he was first diagnosed, I just would pray and pray that God would heal him. I know that God has the power that he could heal him if he wanted to, and, and that wasn't happening. And so he came and stayed with us actually last summer for a number of days, and he didn't recognize uh, his, uh, my kids, his grandkids. Uh, he recognized me about 65, 75% of the time. And needed constant supervision and care, and, and it was really difficult to kind of engage in any kind of conversation with him. So I sat at home with him a number of those days. And without the hope or expectation of the resurrection, this is pretty futile. It's, it's, it's foolish. What is the point of this kind of suffering? Even with the hope of a resurrection, the expectation of a resurrection... It still sucks. It's still very confusing. But when you stand on the hope of the resurrection, you believe that Jesus is present and there's life in any given moment if you look for it. So we're sitting out on our deck one day and uh, it seemed like he would be more comfortable and a little calmer when we'd go out on our deck in the afternoon and my dog was out there running around and, and I don't know what why, but I decided I'd try to start a conversation with him again, and, and I started talking about fishing, because that's what he and I used to do together uh, every summer when I was young, growing up. And he says, yeah, I remember. He goes, I, I used to have a boat. He goes, do I still have a boat? I said, no, Dad, you sold your boat. He said, well, why did I do that? I said, well, because you weren't using your boat anymore. And he looks at me, he goes, well, you don't have to use a boat to own a boat. <laughs> He laughed at his own joke as well, and, and I said, hey, you remember that time that you, uh, you launched the boat, 
and uh, started sinking because you forgot to put the plug in it. And then you left me in the boat while you went off to get the, the truck and the trailer to pull it out of the water. I guess you didn't think it was going to sink, or maybe you did, but you left me there to, to bail the water. And he starts laughing, and we're both laughing there on the deck. And after a couple seconds, he raises his hand in the air, and he says, The great outdoorsman. And it was a moment. And for a few precious minutes, right there in my backyard, I had my dad back. There was life in the moment. Jesus was present. It was a resurrection. It was just a small glimpse. But Jesus, like, brought this gift to me. He said, here it is. This is a promise. This is a glimpse of, of the days to come when you join me in heaven after this life ends. There were a few perfect minutes. Circumstances didn't change. My dad wasn't miraculously healed. But life in that moment was transformed by the presence of Jesus, the resurrected Lord. Just the way Paul's life was transformed by the presence of Jesus, he went from being the greatest persecutor of the church to the greatest proliferator of the entire Christian faith that history has ever seen. Peter was transformed from being uh, somebody who didn't believe to being uh, somebody who was martyred because of his strong belief in Jesus. There are all kinds of stories. And in fact, as Doug shared at the, at the beginning of the service, we're going to celebrate with some stories from our own seats of people who have been transformed by the presence of Christ in their life. We would invite you to come back to hear some of those stories the next three weeks on Sunday mornings. I just want to remind you that it was the resurrection. It wasn't the Bible. It wasn't the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't even his miracles. It's the resurrection that launched the Christian faith. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us this eternal living hope that we have in Jesus. It changes everything about our lives. Some of you need to, to hear this, and you need to maybe ask some questions. You need to talk about it with some folks. Maybe you can ask some of the witnesses who are right here in this room. You can ask somebody at this church on staff. You can ask God himself to show you this is a real event, that this happened, that Jesus can be trusted. Some of you need to be reminded, you've, you've believed, but you've stuffed this away. And you need to pull it out and you need to look at it on a daily basis and remember the resurrection is real. And it has power for my life today. Jesus says that same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you in your life right here and right now. And maybe some of you need to ask God to receive this life for the first time. And you can do that right in your seats today. And just say, Jesus, I want to put my trust in you. That you uh, were sent by God, your God's son. You were, you were crucified, you were buried, and you were raised to new life for the forgiveness of my sins so that I can find new life in you. Would you pray with me? Father, this is the good news that we celebrate this Easter. This is the good news that, Lord, doesn't just have meaning for today, but has meaning for every day of our lives. Father, it is hard for us to believe. It's outside of the scope of our reality. But, Lord, people were there. People saw it. People wrote about it. People died because they believed so deeply in this event. Lord, we ask that you would give us all just a little bit more faith. 
that we can believe and that this story would come to life in us, that it would bring your resurrected power to work in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We invite you uh, to stand and join us in singing a closing song together.
thanks again so much for being here to celebrate with us. Uh, we encourage you to go home and give thanks that Jesus was raised from the dead, that God sent him for us to have new life. Some of this maybe raised some questions for some of you. I encourage you to ask those questions, to have good conversations with your family, and to come back. Uh, having a community of people to search this out with and to, and to make this come to life in our lives is really important. Come back and hear some of those stories of God at work in the next couple weeks. Thanks again. Have a great Easter Sunday.